ladies and gentlemen and our listeners, we have today on our show two people whom we may not have known existed as children or preteens, but had a tremendous influence on our lives nonetheless. If you were a fan of X-Men the Animated Series, then you're a fan of our guests. Writers of said series and the book X-Men, the art and making of the animated series, Eric and Julia Lewald. How are you guys today? Doing well. Thank you so much for inviting us on. Yeah, thanks, Paul. No, thank you guys so much. Um, now, you guys put out a book, and uh, we're going to be talking about it. Uh, Zane has this it book. covering right this up. Book right here. Yes, and the one right here <laughs> you're holding. Big um, four-pound book. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's a very weighty book. It, it, it is. Um, it's full of very great it's, artwork. It's actually already made a couple of splashes at my house when I've got it on my, uh, my table. And I've had a couple friends come over, and they're like, is that from the animated series? And they were like, I'm like, yeah. They're like, man, that show on Saturday morning, it, it, it made me keep watching it. Because, <laughs> they, you know, it was one of the first Saturday morning cartoons that kept continuity going. Yeah. You know, and, and that was something that I just, uh, I wanted to ask right off the bat. I was like, how difficult was it to, to really push that? Because I know that was something you guys wanted to do in the book. You were talking about it. How, was that difficult trying to push that through, you know, uh, you know, Saban and all the other executives to, you know, not just have a cookie cutter new episode every week? Yeah, yeah. The the, the big uh, it it was a, a tough ask for the the network because, you know, as we said, you know, when you got animation takes nine months to make an episode, and so you're hoping it's turning out all right, and if you got them in order like that you can't rearrange them. If one comes back bad, you have to wait till you fix it till you get to the next one. So there can be scheduling problems for network and for the, you know, the TV affiliates that put the show on. So they're trusting us to, to write stuff and the production people to get the production done. And that's a big trust on their part. Because any other show, episode five comes back and it sucks, you just hold it for three or four weeks and put the other episodes on and there's no problem. But if you, in mo like most good TV shows, if you're doing them in order, uh, then you got to just stop and wait for the, you know, to get things ready. And they took that risk and it cost them some money to, to delay, you know, when we started the show. But once it started, it seemed to really make, like you were talking about, make a difference to viewers. It just hooked them into the show. And for the writers, it was really satisfying because you weren't just writing little 22 minute stories, you'd be writing a whole season of 22 minute stories. And so it's like writing a, uh, you know, three or four movies worth of story that you'd be able to do with these same characters. And that was, you know, for us, it was great for the network people worrying about if next episode was going to come back right, it was it caused them to sweat. So we give them a lot of credit for taking the risk on our part. And uh, from where I sat, just to clarify who all who we are here in the world of the moving parts. Um, I, I'm a writer on X-Men the Animated Series. Um, Eric was what we call the, the showrunner. He was the guy in charge of all the stories. There's a completely separate art division and that was headed by Will Minio and uh, Larry Houston as, as, as producer director. They were big um, and fanboys of the Marvel Universe up until this moment, up until the possibility of X-Men, the animated series. And, and Will and was sensitive to the fact that the comic books themselves w tended to be sequential. 
you tended to have a story and then it would end on a, on a, oh, come back next week, you know, and, or month and whatever. So he was, he understood that that yeah. was a, por a part of the comic book um, right. deal. And then, and since he, since they, they so loved and respected the comics, they were always looking for ways to be true to them. They knew that, you know, everybody in our creative group knew that TV isn't the same as comic books. It's kind of a different muscle writing, uh, you know, the way it plays out. It's just, it's a slightly different experience. So you can't just copy it. You can't just kind of thoughtlessly adapt what's sitting there. But while you're making it into the best TV show you can make it, these guys were really keen on, look, we got to respect the spirit of the books. We can't, they'd been, they'd been on other shows where whoever was in charge, uh, whoever the boss was, just said, oh, to hell with what the fans want to see. You know, let's, <laughs> let's throw in silly, silly dogs and sidekicks and, and, and dumb it down or whatever you want to do. Right. that these other Hollywood people just thought you could just mess with comics and the people we were working with all said, no, 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 we're all, we're all, it's like, it was like an oath or something. We're going to respect the nature of the books. And if it works great, because other people have it in the past, but if it doesn't work well, we'll go on to the next project, but we're going to try. And that was, that came from them. I mean, that came from their love of comics. Um, to, to me and the head writer that worked with me laying out the first couple seasons of stories, we weren't that big comic. I mean, we'd read some, but we weren't super fans. Right. So we were just interested in telling the most intense stories we could. But the other guys that we were working with uh, were really cared that we got the X-Men right and that we didn't disappoint the comic book readers. So that was, that, that came from them. Okay. Um, now, how did you guys even get involved with the series to begin with? Um, well, it's, it's like a lot of other things. You know, you work in your town and you work at various jobs. And it was a couple people I'd worked with before. Uh, uh, the two main people at Fox were Margaret Lesh and Sydney Iwander. She was the president of Fox Kids. He was the hands-on guy that worked with Batman and X-Men and Spider-Man. And the Pick tick. And all these, that was that was my day-to-day -day boss. It was my hours on the phone boss. Those two people, I, I'd worked with Sydney, nine, you know, like seven, eight years earlier when I was starting in the business uh, for nine months. And then I'd worked for Sydney and Margaret uh, for a season of Beetlejuice. So that was nine months of working with them. So in effect, they, you know, people I'd worked with before thought I was appropriate, you know, as the right tool for the job. That was it. The context is that Beetlejuice had been on ABC, am I right? One yeah. Of the back in the day, let's go way back, three major networks, Saturday morning, grab your cereal, sit in front of the TV. It was either ABC, NBC, or CBS. And in 1990, Fox entered the broadcast sphere saying, we're going to become a network. Yeah. And they like the big three. And they didn't have, they had to take a few things from other networks. They had to use some old cartoons. For a couple of years, they had to kind of gear up to, the, what, to getting their signature stuff up. But one of the things they were able to do was buy the rights to Beetlejuice, this ongoing successful show from ABC, and play it. And they said, well, we want to make it distinctive from the ABC version. Let's make it older and edgier and, you know, 22 minute stories rather than 11. So I'd worked, I, I did one episode for them to, to show them that I thought I had a, uh, a feel for it. And they said, yeah, uh, how would you like to do this last season for us? And as a story, editor. as a story. Editor. So I, I, uh, that was that I was able to prove myself to Margaret 
you know, to the people at Fox that, okay, this guy, you know, whatever his taste is, and they're different people they could have picked with, you know, different tastes or strengths. Uh, at least he's a professional. At least we, at least we know he's going to get, he's going to get the stuff done. Right. So, so on time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you mentioned it early on in the book that, uh, you know, that um, you were going to be working on and, and take no offense to, you know, attack on killer tomatoes. I would have been in for that. I would have come up with the most intense adult uh, oh, stories I could manage. So, well, <laughs> me personally, I'm just glad that you ended up where you guys yes. did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and we had met, um, Eric and I had met yeah. uh, at the good old Disney afternoon, which was just a few years old at that point. Uh, or actually had just begun at that stage. Um, that was my first job in animation, my dream job, just to get into Hollywood somehow, some way. And you had come from Hanna-Barbera to uh, Disney Afternoon. And so we each met each other there as, as writers on Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers, Goof Troop, uh, yeah. Tailspin. Darkwing Duck. Oh, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that's my group. Yeah, Darkwing Duck, that whole, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. whole thing. And then after three years, you know, everyone enters the happy-go-lucky freelance market. Yeah, Disney kind of figured out that well, wait, wait, we got these 50 writers on staff. <laughs> we don't have to do this. We can save a lot of money. Just uh, let them move all out to be freelancers. The gig economy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were way ahead of the curve. Yeah. So that, that, but but it was a, it was a great fun time while we were there. Um, a lot of lifelong friends made mm -hmm. at Disney. A lot of them ended up writing for X Men the animated series. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now a lot of the, uh, the the ideas for the show you guys pulled pretty much directly from the comics, like the Days of Future Past timeline. Um, you know, there you go, story arc. Um, <laughs> were there any story arcs that you guys didn't get to make that you would have liked to have gotten done if the show kept going? Um, there were, you know, since we were, you know, I was kind of the cart before the horse. I was assigned to do this and I had to quickly learn <laughs> what 25 years of X-Men comics had been all about. Because let's remember that too. This didn't start with X-Men, the animated series. There was, like you said, 25 years of comic books that they, that had yeah. themselves evolved tremendously yeah. over time. But I didn't go into the, the series with any like, oh God, I got to tell that that uh, arc of stories, right? Uh, I so was in love with issue, you know, 274 of Uncanny, Uncanny X-Men. I didn't have any of that. So I was just looking to dig out the coolest stuff I could find from there. And so it was, it, I wasn't really left with, like, uh, with anything that by 1997 when we finished, um, it was more like each time we got uh, assigned more episodes, like, okay, We've told 60 stories. You know, are there fresh new things we can think of for Wolverine? Are we done everything that we can think of? Or is it going to get old? That happens to TV shows. Sometimes in the sixth, seventh season, they start losing their steam and they get repetitive. And that's a tough challenge. And so it gets, it gets harder to come up with, with new stuff. But as far as, as far as having, I mean, I know there were artists and writers that were big X-Men fans that had stuff that they wanted to get on that say they tried and we'd pitch it and it wouldn't go over it. Somebody said, well, this might've been a good comic, but it just doesn't feel right for a TV show. So there were people among our creative group that had stuff they really wanted to get on that didn't make it, but, but not for me. And I don't think certainly for Julia. Now, let me jump in here and remind you that um, when you got the call and got the gig, 
there wasn't a lot of confidence that X-Men was going to be a success. In right. fact, there was more confidence yeah. that it was going to be a failure. So you were hired for 13 episodes. And that, those first 13, that first season, those were the 13 stories that you and, and Mark, Eden, Mark Edens had, had, had sort of penciled out as being, these are the stories that we're going to tell this world that we want to tell to set up this world in these 13 stories. And at the end of the first season, Gene and Scott are having a moment and, you know, it's a wonderful moment, you know, um, and you would hope that you would start, yeah. if, if the second season happened. Yeah, yeah, there if, were, yeah if the second, well, the, there was, there was something that we, that we got rid of that was going to be the second, uh, big part of the second season when, when Scott proposes at the end of the 13th episode, at the end of the first season, she says, yes, we're going to be get, get married. And so we wrote up, we started writing up the second season with them married and her seven months pregnant and running around kicking ass with a huge baby bump and then having a double mutant child. So we had written that stuff up just as what, this would be a cool thing to do with them. But what? We ended up with them saying they're going to get married. Well, let's see what happens with it right. and, and play that out. And that didn't go over very well. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I, we just had executives just pull us aside to look. 12-year-old boys are the core of our audience. They don't want to see their mother up there seven months pregnant kicking, you know, uh, uh, Apocalypse's ass. In spandex. In spandex. So that was our naive ambition to, to, to do that, to, to, to make pregnancy a, a central part of being an X-Men. Uh, did not come, happen, but that's the only one I can think of. And that wasn't because it was in the books. That was because we thought it'd be a cool thing to do. But, you know, uh, a few years later, it did happen in the books. So there was a nice <laughs> cross-pollination. Can I say that? That there was... Yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 They ended up getting married. The, the fact that the X-Men anime series, it only exists because of the X-Men comic book universe. It's nice that some things that happen in the comic, in, in the animated series, uh, seeded things that happened in, in the comic books. Yeah. It, it was, it was, and I also loved how, how your creative team was able to take, um, you know, a story arc and, you know, make it your own and, and use, use multiple story arcs and infuse it into one mm. was such an amazing creative idea that you could take, like you said, 25 years of books and, and, and storytelling and be able to intertwine them and really make it something special where, um, you know, it, it was such a, an adult series, but yeah. as a child, you know, you know, watching, you know, Morph, you know, the, the, his death early yeah, on, like right, was, right in the beginning of the series, was a like, shocker, and then, and then <laughs> taking my heart and ripping it right out of my chest when I think that Gambit is turning on the X Men. You know, that was never in the the original story arc for that that series, but you guys were able to take that popular arc and really really make it yeah. something special and i i remember the animated series now more than i ever do the comic <laughs> that's that's the truth one of the same here like sometimes i even get you know arcs confused on which happened where like oh. so i'm like i have to think about if it was did that happen on the show or did that happen in the comic real quick hold on it's that's how very great it was. you guys are you know that's how great it was um i i do have one question and i were talking before uh, the initial roster of the show, um, you decided to pick... Uh, uh, well, it kind of it, was originally from it was, Jim Lee. It was from Jim Lee's, right. Yeah. Um, so you guys chose... Uh, all right, she's got mixed um, uh, uh, 
I guess, uh, mixed uh, ratings from people. Jubilee. Yeah. Um, I, how did you guys, um, did you guys, I want to say, like writing the character? Like, was she somebody that you guys uh, had a hand in choosing for the show, or was it? Yeah, it, at, the, at the beginning, there was decided that uh, they picked four or five of the main characters, and these are all basically 30-year-old adults, you know, Wolverine right. and Gene, I mean, Wolverine and Scott and... Gambit was a new guy that, they, that Marvel was high on, so he's going to put in Rogue. Storm. Storm. These were all 25 to 35-year-old people that had, you know, full adult lives. They were going to be taking serious adult stories up with. And there were two reasons for highlighting, three reasons for highlighting Jubilee. One was we wanted someone brand new because we, we, we've been told 90, 85, 90% of the audience are not going to know who the X-Men are, which is hard to imagine now. But go back. Go back. Years, so in the pilot, we wanted to have a new character who who also didn't know what a mutant was, okay. discovering everything there was to discover about the X-Men during those two episodes, along with the audience, could be the eyes of the audience. Okay. And so that we thought, okay, and they said, we also would like to have a teenager. One, you know, there weren't that many uh, underage uh, characters at that time in mm -hmm. the 90s. There was basically Jubilee or Kitty Pride, and Kitty Pride had been used a couple of years earlier in a failed attempt on an on the Pride of the X Men. Right. And that, you know, Hollywood is is merciless that way. <laughs> to them, they just oh, well, we tried Kitty Pride. She's a failure. Well, you know, honestly, so I think want, it was Green being Australian that made that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There, there, there are many, many, many. <laughs> If you want to talk about that, we got that. We can tell you yeah. about that now. Uh, okay. yeah, Kitty, it wasn't Kitty's fault, but right. Kitty took the blame. And so it was kind of a no-brainer to, to Marvel and to Fox and everybody there. Okay, you need a teenager. Let's make it Jubilee. She's somebody new. She's somebody that, we're, that Marvel's high on. So that was, she wasn't, there were a couple other characters that, that became major that I think the writers had more interest in, like Beast. Right. Uh, that wasn't listed as as a, a main character to start with, and even pre 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 <laughs> Professor X was kind of in the background when people were, were when we were setting up the team. And the more we wrote stories, the more we thought, you know, it's really hard to write without Professor X. And Beast is a, is, a, is his own unique character. And I think so. so yeah, there's a mixture there. There are a lot, you go to cons, there are a lot of people who dress up like Jubilee. There are a lot of people for whom she's the favorite character because at the time, you know, when they got fell in love with the show, they might have been a 10-year-old girl or they might have mm -hmm. been whoever it is that fell in love with Jubilee at the time. So she, she has her fans. At the same time, I think it was easier for us adult writers to write compelling stories about other 30-year-olds. Uh, and so that we got a little sloppy and that we didn't do as much, we didn't service her as much. We didn't, we didn't provide her with as in-depth storytelling as I think we could have. Looking but, back, it's one of my regrets. But I also want to say, we, we have to remember X-Men the Animated Series was a Saturday morning cartoon. You know, we, you know, we, we, we love to look back and remember the, the stories we were able to tell, the, 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 the real adult stuff that we didn't back away from. But putting a preteen in jeopardy is, is kind of one of those things you can't do on Saturday morning. You can do it to an adult. Sorry, Morph, but you can't do it to, to a young person. Uh, so that was part of the problem in servicing Jubilee story-wise. 
but that is how she got in. That that is why she was there. Yeah. Um, now, just because uh, you, yeah. you guys already touched on it, and I know it says it in the book that both of you guys loved writing Beast, mm. and yes. you know, did you ever think while while first writing him into the into the story that he was going to be such a pivotal character of, like you said, uh, Julia, a Saturday morning cartoon? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gotta look back and and remember that the. the he gets in the first the pilots uh night of the sentinels parts one and two he is captured so he is taken off screen and put in jail and okay boys they captured him oh no beast is gone he's in jail but his whole arc is this is an act of civil disobedience i want my day in court i'm gonna make this happen i'm gonna make the case for you know how we can all get together and be you know uh, happy with each other and you don't realize how subversive that is <laughs> as a storyline for a kid's show. And, and yet uh, putting that out there for Beast yeah. to do that, to make that statement, I think was amazing. Yeah, to, to be honest, Zane, we got, we got pushback on uh, almost all of the main characters. Let's put the Magneto, Professor X. You got these two like middle-aged guys uh, you know, talking ideology at each other while they, you know, they're battling to the death. And while they're each other's best friends, mm -hmm. and which makes to us very cool storytelling, yeah. but the people that were looking at these scripts before before it became a hit, when they were worried they're going to lose all their money, were just saying, "What is this stuff? What's what's the Daniel kid going to get on Saturday morning with these guys, you know, spouting ideology at each other and blowing up cities?" And 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 we just say, "Trust us," and that's all we could say for like the nine months until the the show finally aired, we, we believe we got something that the kids will like, and That's they really, most, most of the people in town just really didn't see it until it became successful. So much of it had been, well, you need bright colors and things blowing up to keep the kids watching. And the idea of layering something else on that was, was not flying with people. But we're talking about the show 30 years later. later. It's the stuff we, that was layered on top of things blowing up and bright colors that I think is what hooked people in and that gives us this thing to discuss. Yeah, yeah. Again, 30 you know, years later. Adult grief for, yes, for a friend that, that's, that's just been killed and, and or you know, old, old girlfriends that have broken your heart or, or parents that have abandoned you to an orphanage. And I mean, this is stuff that it wasn't very Saturday morning, morning. <laughs> and uh but we just really i don't know i don't know we most of us in creative positions like will and larry and, and i and sydney the executive at fox we've been through about 10 years of trying to do ambitious stuff for saturday for animation we just we got into animation we liked animation somehow became our careers and we kept on feeling like we we're being suppressed and and told to dumb everything down and not and not push any not push anything not challenge anybody not freak out any kids you know and so when this opportunity arose everybody like without hesitation okay this is a chance we're going to push it and if it doesn't work well we'll get another job and you know uh, <laughs> life, life will go on but we just all felt like we had to do it and it worked when it worked out then suddenly you know it's quiet like but what were the problems of the scripts before? You know, the next four years was was easy. I mean, it's always hard to make a show, but it was we didn't, weren't getting any pushback anymore. 
it all evaporated the day the show was successful. You know, that's 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 another bit of Hollywood wisdom. Yeah. You know, that's ah, making money. I don't care what it is. You know, what, 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 what you know, what was I? Was my problem again? No, no, no problem. It's your show. No, it's fine. <laughs> so, um, all right, pertaining to the book, who who had the idea to put this book together? Well, you have to go back to this book. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that was her pushing at me because. Uh, X-Men had not, uh, it had, it had been, uh, the rights had been owned by Fox and Disney and different people. And oh, so, not Disney, it's not yet. Oh, well, yeah, Disney, yeah. yeah. But, but so. In 2016, it was 20, all over the map. Yeah, t- 2015 is about when I started writing on this. And we had all the scripts and all the storyboards and all the notes from everybody up above our garage where we keep stuff from the various shows we worked on. And she kept on saying, you know, nobody's writing anything about the show. This is like a lot of people's favorite show. What's, you know, if, if we don't write something about it, nobody will. And right. we tried to call Marvel. They, nah, nah, don't even talk to us. We don't own all the rights to it. Don't even bother. So at the time, so we just put this together ourselves, found a, a small publisher out here in California and interviewed everybody, all the cast and the crew. For the first time. For the first time we spoke to the cast. There's, you know, never communicated with them. All the the guys that held on that did Wolverine, (laughs) Laura's on, they'd done this thing that literally hundreds of millions of people had enjoyed worldwide. And nobody had ever called them to say, you know, hey, I, I liked you as Wolverine, or I noticed you as Wolverine. They just, They'd never been to a con. They'd never, you know, and so, so we interviewed everybody. This book came out, and it was very satisfied to us because it, it's a really detailed history of oral of, history of the show of what the show was, and then we just kind of were going on with our lives and noticed that the rights were all coming back to Disney. So, we a guy from we got we got an email <laughs> from a big dun, shot dun, dun. from a big shot at Marvel at time. Oh damn. They've, they've seen the, the book and they're going to make us like shut down shut down or something because we didn't get the rights to do it. And it was a reverse. This major, wonderful major guy from Marvel said, everybody at the, at the office loves the book. Now that the rights are together, we want to do a coffee table art book. Awesome. So it was. And would you like to do it? Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a sorry. Oh 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 I'm sorry. Uh, Sven Larson. Sven Larson. Sven Larson at Marvel. Head of worldwide, uh, yeah, licensing. Worldwide licensing, which so it was to it was his credit for um, reaching out to well you know and it would have gotten done with us or without us yeah. this particular but, book. But and they picked um, the, they picked the 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 publisher Abrams. Which, Abrams books. Uh, who just have done a phenomenal job. I'm glad you've got a copy there because I gotta say it, it's. Gorgeous! It is. It's so great. I I haven't, you know, I've only gotten to read about uh, two chapters of it so far. Um, I've only had it for a week. Oh, the the artwork in it itself is—it just really brings me back. And and I know that you guys lost, like, the show itself lost a ton of artwork. How did? How hard was it tracking all this artwork down? There are hundreds of characters in here that I was like, oh my god, they got Brainchild and Mojo, and (laughs) got the alternate Rogue Universe characters in here. I was like, how did they do it? (laughs) Once we communicated with with Sven Larson and, and and said, oh yeah, we we would very much love doing this book with the support of Disney, with the support of Marvel. Uh, and then we looked at each other and said, oh my God, you know, we were, 
I was a writer on the show, you were the showrunner. We were not the artists. And it's been 25 years since things wrapped up. Um, golly, can we even find art out there? Yeah. Uh, so it became a, a, a real detective story for us. Yeah. Uh, we had a, the, Disney Marvel was aware of an uh, agent's, uh, a, a fine arts house here in, in, in Sherman Oaks, California, uh, Van Eaton Galleries, who specialize in, in animation and, and, yeah. and specifically Disney, but, but animation sells. They put us in contact with them and they have, they were wonderful. Boy, they got some good, good half, half the cells in the book are from them. Uh, but that gives you an idea. They were, there were hundreds of thousands of cells hundreds of thousands painted, hand painted, half cells. painted back, back then, but when it was every, every 12th of a second was in, cells, you know, that, and, and the, they were going overseas. Yeah, they're going to and almost all of them and then coming back. And yeah, yeah, and, and they are almost all gone. And so there may be a few hundred of them left out of the hundreds of thousands, hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And this place had some of them. Uh, a couple of producer friends of ours had had. Larry Houston let us go through. Uh, Larry Houston, uh, producer director on the show, let us go through. He had. Um, Storage three, units. Three storage units. And we all, we got to, it was, it was but literally he, an excavation. But he's worked on 80 shows. So yeah. he didn't know where the X-Men stuff was. So There's <laughs> a lot of, a lot of dust sucked up that day. But so be, between him and, and a fellow uh, credit to Tom Tataranowitz, yeah. uh, an animation producer who came in after X-Men was wrapping up. Here's, here's how it works. Yeah, stuff gets thrown, stuff gets thrown out. People, it's in storage places. They say, we got, 30 boxes of old X-Men material. We've got to clear it out because the next show is coming in to be produced. Yeah, nobody wants to pay storage fees. So are we going to throw it to the dumpster? Does somebody want to pay us 10 bucks a box for, you know, this? Oh, no, does someone want to take it away? Uh, yeah, yeah. You get paid 10 yeah. bucks a box. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, and, and the other, but the thing, one of the things that really holds it together, there are two artists that had really, that were really, uh, 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 pack rats about this. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, Dan Meyer and, and Mark Lewis. Mark Lewis. And Mark Lewis did the cleanup on all the character designs. From the second season on. Yeah. And so from episode 14 through 76, Mark had every single one of them, uh, you know, in, in his files. And, and he, had, he had electronically and stored And digitized them. them. And Dan did the same thing. And Dan was story storyboard artist. So between them, we got model designs for every single character in every single episode. Uh, those guys, without those guys, we would have been sunk. Right. So uh, those, those two guys really helped us out on the yeah. character design. But the, 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 the uh, getting the actual cells was, was the beautiful cells that knock your eyes out. That was, that was the hardest part. But what I also love going through it, and as, as you were mentioning there, uh, the idea that being able to, to open the book and see some of those flashes, those Easter eggs that, that, that flew by when you're watching the show going, wait a minute, was that so, was that, wait, was that, <laughs> and we've got, you know, the art in here for that. You can, like you said, um, uh, One Man's Worth, you've got that whole uh, altar verse where they're all destroyed or damaged, you know, and you just, oh my God, damn it, missing an arm, that is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah I actually, I, I was looking through it and I was like, is he missing, I was like, and then it came back to me and I was like, oh my gosh, he was. <laughs> Yeah, just so you get a chance to sort of sit back and savor things uh, yeah. with, with the art book here. And, and we just couldn't be happier with how it turned out. Couldn't be more grateful for everyone who participated in it. And yeah. From what we've gotten to read so far, it's, it's a really great put together book. 
Um, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Um, being that the world is opening back up, you taking it on the road anytime soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah we, 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 we'd love to. <laughs> it was scheduled. Since mm. it came out in October last year, it was oh. scheduled to, to come out at the New York Comic Con. I'd never Mark, been to New York Comic Con. Yeah, we, you know, we were going to have, we were going to have a, we were going to have a, a pan, we were going to have a panel on a table and we we're going to be selling the books and it was going to be a big announcement from Marvel saying, look what's come out here premiering at New York Comic Con in October. And of course, couldn't do it. Uh, I don't know what New York's plans are for this fall, um, but at some point we'll, we'll bring it there. Hey, campaign for us, gentlemen. Yeah. Say, we, we will definitely campaign for you. Yeah. <laughs> Because things are looks like they're going to starting to open up at the end of the year. I know that's awful, awful, awful quick, and New York's having a, a rough time with the, with the COVID right now. But uh, certainly by next year, next year is uh, the 30th anniversary of the series, so oh maybe we'll play that up at some cons. Well, you know, I tell you, after sorry. reading the book, it doesn't feel like it's been that long now. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. Right. And, and, and looking back on those after all these years later, how do you think that show stacks up against today's cartoons and stuff that are coming around? Well, I, your honest opinion, you feel free to shoot. Tell them they all suck now. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, there, there's, there, there's stuff, uh, you know, the, the, it went when we were doing that show, it was an expensive time. Disney was putting a lot of money into Disney Afternoon in mm-hmm. around 1990, and then obviously Batman had huge, oh beautiful, big, beautiful budgets. And there was a lot of competition yeah. in these big action shows. And even though uh, X Men was just um, like a medium level budget at that time, looking back, it's a pretty big budget. As as the as we've been working with like the 30 years since then, budgets have gone down mm-hmm. and animation has become simpler most of the time but at the same time uh there's some wonderful oh stuff like uh like the spider-verse oh that oh movie my god that blew my uh, mind spider man spider i thought that was the best spider-man movie of all the spider-man movies I agree. I agree. I agree. So, and so that shows you what you can what can be done with animation and, right. and warners has done a bunch of like oh, nice movies the direct-to-home videos direct-to-home videos of, batman movies oh my yeah god. yeah, that, that yeah well, can, their animated series movies are very well done yeah yeah, yeah. and then so you can tell longer stories you can tell 90 mm-hmm. minute stories that's really very, very cool. It was something I wish that we would have had access to. Or have access to now. But obviously, Can't Saturday, 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 Saturday <laughs> morning is <laughs> not. What did they call us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some very interestingly strange uh, uh, shows like uh, Adventure Time and Rick and Morty that are just they're, that are just so imaginative. You just say, oh, my God, that would have been fun to be, <laughs> to be in the middle of that room. That you know, yeah. hanging upside down high or whatever they were doing to get, get those stories. There has some, been some very cool and Venture Bro- I thought Venture Brothers was amazing. Venture Brothers was great. And, and, yeah. So so there have been some super highlights, mm-hmm, but yeah. I, but Saturday mornings kind of evaporated. That's what we all grew up on. And that's kind of weird. Yeah, you can't you can't turn on a major network and and see a kid's lineup anymore. That astonished me when that stopped. I mean, that, I couldn't believe it. And realizing, talking with you guys here, it, when, if, you grew up, if you grew up watching the X-Men on TV, that was five years that you had your own sort of appointment TV to watch it. And we'll binge watch. And I mean, I love binge watching. I think that's spectacular. But I also think it hits you different if you have to wait 
if you have to wait a week, if you have to wait a few months for the next season to start, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you, you absorb it differently. It means something to you. In the schoolyard, you know, after after uh, the new episode come out, that, that, that was the that talk was the of the town on Monday morning. That you know, was, what happened in X-Men this week? Nope, that was water cooler <laughs> talk at the school. That's exactly it was. And, and you couldn't go online and, uh, you know, you, you couldn't go online at all. <laughs> but, but there was no way to immediately, like, get on your uh, on your phone and go, did, did you see that? Did you see that? Was that who it was? Wait, oh, no, they didn't do this. Oh, wait, couldn't do it. Right. So it was very much a, a sort of a personal, personal reaction to the show back then yeah. that I think sometimes uh, gets lost if, you, if someone just binges a thing. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We've, we've gotten um, almost 40 minutes out of this. Oh, wow. They went by really <laughs> well, if fast. You ha- thank if you, you haven't done it yet, I'll yes. let our listeners know. X-Men, the art and making of the animated series – you can get it at all your major retailers. Um, it is phenomenal. Everywhere. Such a great book. The I love it. Phenomenal. Yeah, the art alone. It, it's, you know, you didn't even have to put words in this, but the words have, have helped because the art alone is fabulous. You know, I thank you guys so yeah. much for being part of it. You and hundreds upon hundreds of other people that yeah. made my childhood better. And, you know, really, it was the X-Men cartoon that got me in become the big X-Men fan that I became today. And it's yes. uh, it's sad to say, but, you know, what what some of happens in the X-Men sense center, I'm like, it ain't the cartoon. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't compare. It don't compare. <laughs> but thank you guys again so much. Do you guys want to give a shout out yeah, to uh, where us- people can find you guys? You know, because you seem uh, wonderful to talk to and very easily approachable. I'm sure you got some socials out there. I mean, they said yes to me, so they got to be some, true. you know. That's true. If you say yes to this guy, then... Uh, we are working on our website. We, we do have a website. It's good old xmentas.com. Okay. Uh, we are on Facebook at X-Men TAS. We are on Instagram sometimes. And I am on Twitter every, every day, whether <laughs> I should be or not, at X-Men TAS for X-Men, the animated series. That's, yeah. that's how I distinguish it from all the other X-Men stuff. So please find us, you know, and with luck, oh, we're, we hope to get back out there and bring, bring both books uh, to folks Man, we didn't. We hadn't started the con circuit until about 2017, with with Eric's book coming out. Yeah. We didn't know. We didn't know the kind of fan base there was for X Men yeah. out there, and it has just been like a warm bath of love. Oh, and this last year has been a real rough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got getting that warm bath of love. Yeah, we got used to it. Meeting, yeah. you know, meeting a couple hundred new people each week. you know, uh, once a month at a at a, at a con and somewhere, yeah. And and now, boom, it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hopefully it picks up again for you guys. And thank you so much thank again you. for coming on. Um, I, we'd love to have you back at some time just to talk about your history and yeah, animation and what you guys are doing today. You know, I'm sure you guys have been up to quite a bit since the show, and we would like to know. So <laughs> that'd be great. Um, so, yeah, again, thank you guys so, so much, and have a great rest of your day. And um, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Dave. Thank, thank you. you. So Bye, much. guys. Bye.